0: to Neck news i'm alex
1: and i'm anthony and my first story is random local news this is from the guardian helicopter pilot finds strange monolith in remote part of utah have you seen this story going around i
0: I kind of but like i saw it but i didn't like look at it really so i don't really know what them what it is okay i'll show
1: you a picture of it too it's very it's very unusual um okay A mysterious monolith has been discovered in a remote part of Utah after being spotted by state employees counting sheep from a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not trying to go to sleep while piloting a helicopter. Hopefully Um, not. The structure, estimated at between 10 and 12 feet high, appeared to be planted in the ground. It was made from some sort of metal. Um, It's basically just this like silver rectangular prism just implanted in the rocks of Utah, <laughs> just standing vertically.
0: Like, I just feel like, okay, someone recently could have put that there for some reason, right? Yeah, or- but
1: why? And who? And for what purpose? That's also what why means. Um, <laughs> the, the helicopter pilot, uh, Brett Hutchings, told local news channel, KSL-TV... That's been about the strangest thing I've come across out here in all of my years of flying. I'm going to say that again because I misquoted (laughs) them. That's been about the strangest thing that I've come across out there in all my years of flying. So it was strange to this person who I guess has often flown a helicopter in this area.
0: I guess I'm trying to imagine why it's – is it just that it's so far out from – other man-made structures that there's no reason why it should be in that spot.
1: That's part of it is it's in a very strange remote location. Like it's unclear how somebody would have even like gotten it out there. Um, Hmm. Hutchings said the object looked man-made and appeared to have been firmly planted in the ground, not dropped from the sky, (laughs) (laughs) which, yeah, I guess, yeah. If you if you see it, it's pretty obvious like it, it wasn't a, it was not dropped. Uh fearing amateur explorers might get stuck in the wilderness while seeking out the monolith, the flight crew have not revealed its exact location. Again, because <laughs> it's like so remote and hard wow. to get to. Um but here is what it looks like. Just a like a rectangular or it might be triangular prism. I can actually tell is from it? that angle, but it's just a piece just like a big slab of metal.
0: Yeah. It's just Wait, is it? It's a prism. You said it's not like flat. It's like a shape stuck in the ground.
1: It seems to be some kind of oh, yeah. It's not just like a flat sheet. I don't think. Again, from the angle, it's hard to tell. It's just showing one surface of it. Um.
0: That's kind of weird.
1: It's very strange. But I also
0: just feel like it's probably like some artist or someone yeah, like that's went out there and did that. That's what a lot of people are speculating
1: that. is that it's just like a, a piece of modern art or something. Yeah. Which
0: that I think I've made put, my feelings on then,
1: contemporary art known on this podcast before. <laughs> yeah, you uh, have.
0: We could rehash that if you want.
1: No, it's just that I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I'd like to explain for any new listeners that we feel that art should be special in such a way that either it was physically difficult to create or it, like extra, like creative in a way that like not anybody off the street could just do it.
1: Right, basically. Which I guess this might fall under so, the first category, given how difficult it would be to carry a presumably heavy metal object all that's the way like that
0: tall. Yeah
1: all the way out to this remote location and somehow planting it in the ground.
0: You could argue that, but you could also argue what was the point? Yeah. Who's enjoying that art? No one.
1: This yeah, this person, I guess.
0: This person. Cuz I know what they know. know. <laughs> <who's>
1: this helicopter <laughs> helicopter people pilot, yeah. I think
0: it liked it. All right, my first story is animal news. <laughs> The headline is, Canadian officials warn drivers not to let moose lick their cars.
1: Is this a, a problem?
0: I it guess is. Canada, it's a real... It it, it. In Canada, it's a real issue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, officials in Jasper, an Alpine town in Canada's Alberta province, have put up signs, like actual like lit up road signs, asking motorists to avoid allowing moose to lick the salt off their cars, which I guess is a... Like, salt is a treat to moose and they like look for it. Like they actually need it in their um, diets.
1: Kind of like how deer, like with a salt like yeah, idea. Yeah,
0: exactly. That same idea. And usually they get salt from lakes in parks, but I, apparently in recent years they've realized they can get road salt off of cars because it's like splashed onto the side and they will like come up to a car and start like licking it for that reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, at this particular national park... Um, where people often park on the side of the road in, in hopes of catching a glimpse of the moose, letting the animals near your car is actually a serious danger. By allowing moose to lick the salt off your car, they will become habituated to being around, no, habituated with being around cars. I don't know how to use that word properly, but that's what this said. Um, they become used to being around cars. <laughs> there you go. And that, <laughs> and that poses a risk to both the animals and the drivers who can actually accidentally crash into them just when they're driving. I mean, they're like a huge... They're driving risk because they're so big. They're so big. I mean, it's kind of like deer around here too are a risk, like at night when you're driving if yeah. they're in the road. But imagine like a moose is like a huge animal. Like that's oh, very dangerous. Yeah. I don't
1: know if you've ever um, seen one.
0: I don't like, think I in have person. in, real, in they're real life. Actually,
1: so much bigger than you think they are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like three deer glued together. Ugh. Like it's it's Ugh. wild. Their um, antlers are just like they're so big.
0: Yeah, they're scary. And uh, well, and that's a good lead into this. The article noted that. Uh, it's important to, if you run into a moose, like, or if you're near one, to stay inside your car and avoid any interactions with the wildlife, um, because other animals typically run away when humans approach, but moose will stand their ground and charge if they feel threatened. Yeah. So, so, which I did kind of know that, but just a good reminder. Don't
1: don't yeah. These are moose safety tips from your friends and News.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we've covered bears, mountain lions, and now moose.
0: Yeah. We'll have to add more animals into that list.
1: Yeah. My next story is Dinosaur News. This is from CNET. One-of-a-kind fossil shows T-Rex and Triceratops locked in battle to the death. What? It's a fossil of, like, a complete T-Rex and tyran- and, and uh, Triceratops just, like engaged in battle
0: wow i don't know
1: how that would have like been captured for lack of a better word like how did they become fossilized in that particular state but
0: they both wounded each other badly enough that they just yeah
1: maybe fell
0: into a tar pit yeah. at the same time
1: <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is the sound a dinosaur makes when yeah. it falls into a tar pit um When you imagine dinosaurs battling it out, the first matchup that comes to mind is Triceratops versus T-Rex. It's classic. It's in all the illustrations. Um, But did these battles actually take place? Yes, they did. And we have the fossil to prove it. And for the first time ever, the public will be able to take a look. Uh, The fossil, nicknamed Dueling Dinosaurs, was initially discovered in 2006, but until now has only been seen by a select few. It shows a T-Rex and a Triceratops in mid-battle literally fighting to the death. The pair are preserved in a fossil going on display for the first time at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. So this fossil's just been collecting dust somewhere, I guess, hmm. and it already had a bunch of dust because it's a fossil. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's uh, unlike other museum displays where the dinosaur skeletons are preserved then assembled to stand, the museum plans on displaying this fossil still encased in sandstone as staff paleontologists slowly take away the sediment that surrounds the bones. So it's going to be kind of like a live exhibit where they're like actively removing the sandstone from around this fossil oh, instead wow. of doing that before they display it. Because right now it's mostly still just encased in the stone. Um hmm. Museum visitors will also be able to ask the working paleontologists questions while they work on the exhibit, which That's is kind of cool. cool. Yeah, hopefully the paleontologists know that going in. <laughs> it's like, Guys, can you? I'm trying to work here. <laughs> it's very distracting. Um, the fossils were acquired for six million dollars by the nonprofit organization Friends of the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences uh, via private <laughs> funds and will be gifted to the museum's vertebrate uh, paleontology collection. And I'm going to show you a picture of it. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. Apparently, this is also like the only 100% complete T. Rex skeleton on display. Like all the other ones, don't have like every bone; they just have replicas.
0: Oh, I thought I thought I had heard that they found one that had everything. Or
1: maybe they, yeah. But there's one about that.
0: It's I don't remember if I just read it or if we talked about it, but I remember hearing about about that that they found one. But maybe it was this one or something. But I don't remember there being mention of dueling. for some reason I thought they had found one.
1: But this, yeah, the museum, like, their Twitter account said, we'll have the only 100% complete skeleton of T-Rex ever found.
0: I guess, yeah, I could be wrong. But I do remember that
1: now that you mentioned it. Like,
0: it just, like, seems familiar, right?
1: And they just somehow left out the fact that there was also a complete T-Rex there. Maybe. So this is what you can see of the fossil so far. Um, I think it's not a very big T-Rex. It might it might be like a juvenile or something, but it is it's still really cool because you can like they're fighting actively in the fossil.
0: That's cool, isn't it? That is so cool.
1: So wow, I want to see this.
0: Yeah, yeah i I would go to that exhibit and ask the paleontologist questions.
1: (laughs) I want to th- I'd want. I want to think of a question that they're not getting asked a lot, though, because I feel like they're probably answering this, going to be answering the same questions over and over and over again. So I want to think of a really unique one.
0: Can you think of anything right now?
1: What do you think the T-Rex's name was?
0: <laughs> um, I would want to ask them, like, is your job like what they show in the movies where you just take a brush and are just brushing <laughs> the bones <laughs> over and over again?
1: I mean, I guess you will be able to see if that's the case when you actually see them working on it there. If it's just them going, brush, brush, yeah, brush, I just brush, feel brush. like
0: I just have this idea that that's what their job is. They just sit and they just like brush, and like a little crumble of stone comes away, and then they just like brush, and then it's a and they're just more. like ooh, yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a very sure relaxing, actually... a re- very relaxing. Yeah, it probably job, would be actually. very zen. Yeah.
0: All right, my next story is science news. This is from sciencenews.org. Oh. And the the headline is these plants seem like they're trying to hide from people. Oh. <laughs> um okay. it's basically it's about it's about um, this plant has evolved to actually become camouflaged to its surroundings and a study was recently published that is basically proving that it's because of people and not any like animal predators.
1: Oh, now I feel bad.
0: What you feel did, bad? What did we do? We harvested it to make medicine.
1: Oh, okay.
0: That's not bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll go into the details. So this is the Fritillaria plant. Um, and usually they're, they're pretty easy to spot because they're normally bright green. And they stand alone amidst uh, very rocky terrain on top of the mountains in southwestern China. And Chinese herbalists have used the bulbs of this plant for a popular cough treating powder for more than two thousand years. oh wow, so it's like a really traditional like Chinese medicine um herbal ingredient basically, and uh the demand for the bulbs is very intense since it takes about thirty five hundred of them to produce one kilogram of this powder,
1: oh wow, which is a
0: lot yeah. um and it said that like one kilogram is worth four hundred and eighty dollars, so it's like pretty expensive stuff mm. at this point. So anyway, some of the plants are not green, but instead have leaves and stems that are barely distinguishable from a gray or brown rocky background. Like they like just grow like the color of the rocks around them. Uh And um, so there was an article published recently in Current Biology that was studying that and looking at why that was. So camouflaged plants are rare, apparently, but not unheard of. For example, in wide open areas with little cover like mountaintops, blending in can help plants avoid hungry herbivores. But after five years of studying camouflage in the Fritillaria plant, this research team found few bite marks on leaves, and they didn't spot any animals munching on the plants, indicating that there were no natural predators for these other than humans. Mm. And they hypothesized that more heavily harvested areas would have more of the camouflaged plants. So as part of their study, the team found seven locations where local herbalists had actually noted the total weight of bulbs harvested each year between 2014 and 2019 so they had records of like how much was being harvested from that area Mm -hmm. and um they also i I won't go into a ton of detail about this but in areas where they didn't have that data they they kind of looked at it like how easy is it to harvest from this like mountain slope or is it like really difficult to like get Get to that area, or is it something that's like really easily accessible? Okay, and they considered like something that's easily accessible more likely that more stuff would be harvested from there. Makes sense. So th- that they added more data that way, um, but they basically found that the more harvested an area was, or more harvestable a site was on these mountains, um, the better the colors of the plant matched their background or like the more likely they were to like have colors that match the rocks Oh, <laughs> and they actually used a spectrometer to like measure the colors of the plants to prove <laughs> this. So yeah. So they found like a linear correlation there. Now that's um, science. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, they also tested like humans ability to find the plants compared to like the background in like another side experiment too, to prove that like the camouflage was working with human eyes. <laughs> And um, so they proved that, too. Oh, wow, they
1: really went all so, in on this.
0: Yeah, they were like, we really want to prove this is the humans is causing this. So so they have a lot of evidence there. So it's really fascinating because there's not a ton of examples of, like, that quick of evolution yeah. from, a, from a human stimulus, basically. But Right, because we haven't been around all that long. Yeah, but uh, this seems to be one. Huh. So it's interesting. Oops, actually, I have Oops a, we
1: broke nature.
0: <laughs> well, it's just, like, so funny. Just, like, the plants were like, well, if we make our color like this... We won't get picked anymore. And I'm sure that's I, what they were thinking. Yes, they were thinking that exact <laughs> statement. Um uh-huh. this is a picture of one, if you can see it. It's like gray in front of the, the rocks. Do you see it?
1: Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, wow, that's very effective camouflage though. <laughs> yeah. It almost looks like a rock itself. My next story is health news. go with fashion news, I think the world or travel news music would work well for fashion news.
0: So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I
1: think that All right. And this is easily health news, too. I just well, don't I was, know why this.
0: I is. couldn't even make... I could make this world news. It's not... That doesn't really...
1: Yeah, just call it fashion news. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no rules.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> this is from theweek.com. The W-E-E-K, mm. not the...
0: For, yeah, I Not, <laughs> not, the, not the
1: frail. That would be pretty strange. Uh, The airline industry begins to plan COVID-19 vaccination passports for international travel. Oh, so this is a new idea I hadn't heard about. Hmm. Uh, The international air transport association said Monday, it is in the final development phase of a mobile digital passport app that would tell airlines if international travelers had been vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, the app would help get people traveling again safely. Uh, said the organization's Nick Kareen in a statement, uh, by giving governments confidence that systematic COVID-19 testing can work as a replacement for quarantine requirements. I guess... By systematic testing, they also mean vaccination. I don't know. Uh, Australia's Qantas, which is, I guess, an airline there, uh, announced on Monday that it's on board with requiring a vaccination passport for international travel start, travelers starting next year. And Korean Air and Air New Zealand also backed the idea, but said any changes would have to be coordinated with their respective governments.
0: So they're they're planning on requiring that for you to travel internationally. For you to travel
1: internationally, okay, yeah, on their airlines hmm. and, but yeah, it sounds like it's basically an app where you would like register that you're vaccinated. I don't really know how they would check it or yeah. verify it, but
0: hmm. um, that's interesting. It
1: sounds like a neat idea. Um, yeah. So in the past, this just to summarize, I'm pretty sure everyone is aware of this, but in the past few weeks, Moderna, Pfizer, Bio- BioNTech. How do you pronounce that? BioNTech? I don't know. I feel like I've heard a lot of people question how it's pronounced and I still don't know. But anyway, it's <laughs> Pfizer and that other one. And uh, yeah. Oxford University and AstraZeneca have announced that large trials showed their respective COVID-19 vaccines to be safe and highly re- effective at preventing the disease. And the Associated Press reports that this news has given airlines and nations hope that they may soon be able to revive suspended flight routes and dust off lucrative tourism plans, but countries in Asia and the Pacific in particular are determined not to let their hard-won gains against the virus evaporate. So it sounds like it's something that's probably going to be adopted quickly by a lot of the countries that are that have managed to control the virus.
0: Yeah, I I'm mean, like, so. it kind of makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense, like, if I was... In one of those countries, I would want a policy like that in uh-huh. place. <laughs> you
1: want to do as much as possible. If, like, international right. travel is going to open back up, yeah. you want to make sure that people coming in have been vaccinated.
0: And I'm I, I'm very happy to hear about all the vaccine. I know, it's like, exciting. Impro- um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Advances, I think, was the word I was looking for. I don't know. Okay. But anyway. I'm glad that that's happening. I think it's happening a little sooner than I was expecting. So yeah,
1: the mRNA stuff is really fascinating. I don't know how much yeah. you've read about that, but it's it's really only cool.
0: a little bit, actually, to be honest, so far. But I I kind yeah. of get the idea, but like, yeah.
1: No, it's really cool.
0: All right, my next story is fashion news. This is from robreport.com. Remember robreport.com? Yeah. I have another story from there.
1: <laughs> this is Rob, and he's got another report for us. He's got
0: another report. The headline is, these new Tom Ford watches, luxury watches, are made from plastic pulled from the ocean. Oh. So this company is making uh, what they're calling an ocean plastic timepiece, and it's the first luxury watch made from 100% recycled ocean plastic according to the brand. How
1: do you make a watch entirely from plastic?
0: I don't know. I feel like that has to
1: be false. There are (laughs) definitely parts in there that can't be plastic, right?
0: I mean, don't they have to be metal? But I guess maybe they could be plastic, like a hard plastic. Like if it's just
1: a wind-up watch, I guess it just needs to be, like if it's fully mechanical, I guess it doesn't need anything but plastic, right?
0: Yeah, I I, I guess. I guess. I don't think that's really been done before, but I guess it could be. I don't know. So I'll show you a picture of it at the end. Like, it doesn't look like a plastic watch, but
1: a good apparently they've done this.
0: No, in a, <laughs> I mean, it looks, nor, it looks like a normal watch. I oh, just okay. mean, like, if I just saw this, I wouldn't think, like, oh, that's made out of recycled plastic. Like, that's not what I would think. Okay, um, okay so in a statement, uh, the company said that for every 1,000 timepieces we produce and sell, we permanently remove and prevent 490 pounds of plastic waste from entering the ocean. So that's the ratio is 1,000 of these watches, 490 pounds of plastic. Wow. Wow, so, that's
1: a lot of, that's still a lot of plastic per watch.
0: So every, per watch, oh my gosh, what's the math? It's watch, a little less
1: than uh, half a pound of plastic in each watch, right?
0: Yeah, right, because it would be. Because that's how
1: math works.
0: by <laughs> yeah, it thousand. <laughs> it's, it's .49 four, nine per watch, isn't it?
1: No, it's 49% of a pound, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's the same thing. <laughs> we can do mental math.
1: I want to collect every time we've ever tried to do math in our heads on the show.
0: Like, I and promise th- that we're good at math. It's just that, like, when we're in the middle of recording, yeah. for some reason, it's just like, uh.
1: Brains uh, turn off. <laughs>
0: like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's 0.49, so 49% of a pound. Right.
1: Yep. Per watch. Exactly, Yep.
0: But, like, the watches probably don't weigh that much. Like, no, no, right? no. I can't imagine. Anyway, but that's what they stated, like, how they're, all the plastic that they're using. So um, the watch has a classic round case with a black stainless steel screw case back. That's not plastic. See? It's evidence. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> that's in the article. So they're lying. The very back of it, I guess, has, like, a... Um, Like a cap or something. I don't know. All right. And it's water resistant, supposedly, up to 330 feet. So it's pretty good. And then uh, the the straps are also made of recycled plastic. Okay. That's more, that's pretty believable. (laughs) Yeah. That that part's like, yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Another thing that this company is doing, um, along with the launch of this watch, they're launching this like Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize. Which is this contest where you can submit like innovative ideas for helping with the environment, but also like building that into a product somehow, and you can win a million dollars. So okay, that's so another thing that companies. So doing. it has
1: to be in a product. My my innovative this idea. This made
0: it seem like it had to be like making some type of sellable something.
1: My innovative idea can't just be I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it all.
0: Yeah, that can't <laughs> I'm be. I'm gonna eat idea. all the
1: ocean's plastic.
0: Um, it has to be something that is scalable and market ready in 5 years.
1: <laughs> oh wow. But if really? you win you
0: win a million dollars?
1: Yeah, that's that's a decent prize, but, but it's also They're basically just very being like strict requirements. Give us
0: ideas for our next thing and we'll right. pay you. That's yeah. basically what this mm. is, but I don't know. I just they're thought that was interesting. They're their
1: next big idea. They're
0: trying to do environmentally friendly things. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's something. Um, Apparently, this is, like, becoming a trend of, like, fashion with these materials. Mm -hmm. Um, They noted that another company or group, Ulysses Narden, which I've never heard of, uh, launched a watch earlier this month, partially made from old fishing nets. So, that was interesting. Um, Probably the band only, I'm going to guess. I didn't look up that one, so I don't know what yeah, it looks
1: just, like. <laughs> so wait a second, how? What, huh, what? The main
0: part of it is made out of nets. So I might be like, doesn't make it, sense.
1: all the parts keep falling out of it because it's just a net.
0: Um. Okay, so guess how much this costs? Too much. Correct.
1: Uh, it's two thousand dollars.
0: Okay, it's actually lower than that.
1: Three hundred dollars. Higher than that. Seven hundred dollars.
0: Nine hundred and ninety-five dollars. That's very expensive. It's really expensive.
1: That's got to be great profit margins, though. If they're just harvesting ocean plastic yeah. to make it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the manufacturing process for this is yeah, like, of but course. like they're making tiny parts. But still, that's very expensive. I won't personally be buying one, but I still think this is a nice idea. Yeah, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Um,
1: it's neat to see an industry you wouldn't traditionally associate with environmentalism. Like embracing right. it like that.
0: Yes, and here's what it look looks like. It's just like a black and white watch.
1: It seems fine. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to spend a thousand dollars on it. It's plain. Yeah, like it doesn't look like, like that. How, like I was gonna say, how like, much is an Apple Watch? Because I was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Apple Watch aren't they like? What are they like? Five hundred dollars?
1: Yeah, something like five hundred dollars.
0: I actually don't know off the top of my head. I I
1: feel like they could do a lot more than that, but it's fine. (laughs) This
0: this is supposed to be a luxury watch, and it's kind of, it just looks.
1: It doesn't really look luxurious to me, especially the band looks very cheap.
0: (laughs) Um, But it's the thought that counts.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they definitely thought about it.
0: All right, it's time for Breaking News, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Fritillaria! Ready, set, go!
1: go. Okay, I found this on UPI. 12-year-old boy accepted to Georgia Tech seeks NASA career.
0: Whoa! That's cool.
1: a 12-year-old boy from Georgia named Caleb Anderson, who is currently dual-enrolled in high school and Chattahoochee Technical College, is aiming to start classes at Georgia Tech next fall, according to his family. Um, He plans to study aerospace engineering for a career in space exploration. So he's like the rare 12-year-old that's like, I want to be an astronaut, and is like actually going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. so these are all quotes from him. I think I'm going go to Mar- go to Mars and do more school, I think, and try to get my master's at Georgia Tech, then do an internship with Elon Musk, and then I'll probably get my Ph.D. at MIT, and then I think <laughs> I'll start working at either NASA or SpaceX. Um. So I don't, right. think, I don't think going to Mars comes first in the series of events there. I think that's just his end goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the boy's parents said they noticed their son was exceptionally intelligent at a very young age. They said, like, as early as three weeks he was starting to like mimic some of their words. Oh wow! Which is basically unheard of. Um, yeah. Like, by four months old, he was picking up basic signs like sign language, essentially. Um, and he's apparently been asking questions from the time he was able to talk, uh, and just like these deep, profound yeah, like questions. Yeah,
0: sounds like a uh, really intelligent kid.
1: Yeah. Um, so apparently, the comedian Steve Harvey has already offered to cover his tuition at Georgia Tech. Hmm. Um, and then this is the, this one final quote from him. If you want to succeed, you have to do two things. Number one, you have to learn to fail. That's a really big part of winning too. And the second part is you always try. If somebody says you can't do that, that doesn't mean it's not possible. Which I thought, oh,
0: that's really great. That's
1: also really profound for a 12 year old.
0: Yeah. I think there's plenty of people that are well into adulthood and don't understand. Who don't those appreciate
1: two either of those things. Either
0: of those things, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. How oh, awesome. Yeah. Well,
1: what, yeah, what a cool kid.
0: Yeah. Best wishes to him.
1: Yeah. I I hope he I hope he does everything he's setting out to do. Yeah,
0: same. That was really nice. <laughs> Thank you for finding that. <laughs>
1: Isn't it so heartwarming?
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, I found this on USA Today. Um and it 's just a quick update on the state of bald eagles oh in the country um
1: it 's our, annual report. <laughs>
0: <on> this, <laughs> it's our on annual report on the bald eagle and like it's, the
1: state of the union, but the state of the eagle
0: yeah, I mean it is the national bird so um Perfect. but basically the the headline is that bald eagles are thriving in Ohio this year um with the recent count of like how many nests are there after they were nearly extinct in the 1970s. And I'm, I'm sure you are aware that they right. like they're were They're kind of like a long time.
1: poster animal for the, uh, like endangered species act, I think.
0: Right. Um, well they were removed from the endangered list like a few years ago, but right. they actually have counted how many bald eagles nests are in Ohio. And they were able to count 700, which is a huge, huge, huge number. Like, wow. uh, and according to this article, um, Forty years ago when they were like critically endangered, we only knew of four pairs of breeding bald eagles in the whole state. Wow. And now there's seven hundred nests. So yeah. I guess that's the which same implies measure. breeding pairs. Yeah. yeah. Um so it's way, way, way increased. Yeah,
1: that's that's wild.
0: Yeah. And then um the article kind of goes into like all of the efforts that people have been doing for bald eagles specifically over the past, like, 30, 40 years or whatever. And there's been a lot of things that they've been trying to do. And kind of, I think the consensus is that those efforts have helped. Um, and people are definitely, like, educated about it and stuff and know. I think it's just something that everybody kind of knows. It's like, oh, we have to, like, help we have to the eagles. You know what these. I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that was just a nice fact yeah. that I found <laughs> that That's made another, me happy. <laughs>
1: another heartwarming story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> have you seen a bald eagle? Around? Actually, there
1: um there was I don't know if there still consistently is but like every year for a while there's a nesting pair at a lake like right down the street from where I grew up. Oh wow! Yeah, so we That's would cool. we would see them every once in a while. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: because um I've seen one I think in Ohio like just once when I was driving out kind of like. Very far east <laughs> in Ohio, like down yeah. a, a road that just had a lot of like trees on the side, and I clearly saw one just like next to the road, and I remember just being so excited because I was like, "It's a bald eagle! Yeah. Like i never never seen." This. <laughs> but yeah, there's, apparently there's stunning around. birds.
1: Like they're, they're oh, they really are. Cool.
0: They're they're so cool. Yeah, they're so cool. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
1: You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at
0: knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.